Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another show what of up, what up, what up, what up? The Kick Spot with your host, Genu Park. Yes, sir. And Migs. You know what I like? The what? fact that you introduce me and then I introduce you. Okay. That's every I think show. That, I think that's going to be every show every, moving forward. Or for any guests, they have to introduce us instead. Yes. <laughs> they have to do the intro song. To us. It's, a, it's like if it's your birthday, you sing yourself happy birthday instead of everybody else singing it yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I'm down for that. Again, welcome everyone um, to a new episode. This is what, episode five? Yes. This is episode five. Yes. And, uh, you know, we're pretty excited. We're, we're growing, um, mm-hmm. putting out as much content as we can. And again, just want to say thank you for all the support. Um, that we're receiving lately. Absolutely. All of the comments, all the likes on YouTube, on Spotify, all the follows. We really appreciate that. Also, all the controversial ones. I've yes. Heard, I've, I've, honestly, I like I like the hate. Yes. And the controversial ones. It, it tells me that we're doing something right. So, yeah. I, lo- I love it. If you can't hate, you can't be great. Okay. I just thought about Are that. Are you going to write my own lyrics now? No, definitely not. Okay. I will not be your ghost writer. <laughs> Okay, Drake. Drake. <laughs> oh, wow. Can't believe we said it at the same time. Weird ass. Jinxies. Jinxies. <laughs> but um, yeah, today we're going to have a, our episode is going to be a little bit about my co-host here, Genu Park. Um, give a little background about how he grew up in the music industry as, as a young up-and-comer. And he's also going to talk about his experiences with not just the music industry, but after college, um, middle school, high school, after college. And then from the time that him and I met when we were doing our multi-level marketing days, when yeah. we were going door to door. When we hated each other. When we hated each during other. During a basketball game. Yes. We're gonna yes. beat each other down. Yes. It was one of those moments. Yes, definitely. So um, we're gonna talk about some of that stuff, but every, and then also how, um, how he's doing now and his experiences today and when when i say experiences um he's going to pretty much going to share some of the things that he went through as an asian american and some of the i wouldn't say um xenophobic episodes and some of the you know racial things that he's experienced he's definitely he experienced a, a fair share of those uh, he's gonna shed some light for us, just to educate us um, and and give some perspective on, you know, what how an Asian American up and coming artist, student, working class individual was going through. Education. Does that, that sound about right, Gina Park? Yeah, I guess it depends on whatever you're gonna ask me. So it's hopefully, be, it's enlightening for everybody. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be some questioning. I would, I would. I'm a little nervous. I would start so, the. Uh, I feel like I know some of the things you're gonna talk about, but knowing you, I feel like there's other there's things gonna you're be gonna a curveball. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. Normally, we start with the show with what? Normally, I'm asking our guests about a questionnaire. Okay. We're, we're gonna skip that today. Okay. Today it's gonna be about you and only you. Okay. This is the only time, because most of the time, it's about me. 
Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me some Jeopardy questions. No. So I got a little nervous there. Definitely. My hands were watering a little bit. So, a little background about my partner here. Um, not like that. Just to let you know, I'm uh, hey. I'm engaged. It's, yeah, and it's not with this guy. Where's, where's your ring? Um, Stop, dude. <laughs> just kidding. So, a um, little background about how I knew Gina. We met about 10, 11 years ago when we were doing our multi-level marketing. Is that that long? Uh, I think so, 2009. So about 11 years oh, now. Wow. I met you December 2009 at Teddy's office when you guys came from LA. I remember that day. He says, we're not, we're not partners, but I remember exactly our anniversary date. Yeah, I don't know what exact date <laughs> what? it was, I don't, I don't but even... I know the month and year okay. that we met. That's, that's so crazy, okay. And then, yeah, so, um, so we met there. Um, knowing you for 10, 11 years. Consider you as pretty much my best friend, one of my best friends. And let's see, we also have gone through a lot of things. You've shared with me some of the things, this, how this episode came about. Yeah. You, you really wanted to express and share the experiences that you had when it came to you being an Asian American in, in a world that we're living in mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to being discriminated and having some of the things that some of our fellow brothers and sisters are going through. Yeah. So, um, you're also a R&B singer, correct? Yes. Is that correct, Mr. Gene R&B pop. R&B like, pop. Yeah, I, I started off with, actually the first song I ever listened to uh -huh. with words, because I was born in Guam, so, you know, so it's a lot of island music. Oh, okay. And then when I was in Korea, it was You Are Not Alone, Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. The first, I, I, I never knew about Billie Jean or any of the Thriller or any, any of that. It was literally You Are Not Alone. Uh huh. And then the second song I listened to was Boys to Men. Which, what song? Water Runs Dry. All of it. It was uh, my, my cousin, he went to uh, UPenn and he was in choir. And so he was like in what, what a cappella group. The first song? I want to know. I, I know you know. I, I don't even remember, to be quite honest. It was an acapella version of like all their songs. Oh, okay. Um, I, I want to say it was like Water Runs Dry or... Of course it was. Um, You're an emotional guy. That's the first song you <laughs> listened to. Yeah, so that's when I started falling in love with R&B. And then during that phase too, it was like, you know, pop was coming out. So yeah. then, you know, I have a mixture of a lot of songs, R&B, pop. Um, back in the day it was more like pop growing up is, is what i was really singing and then i transitioned more into r&b as i got older mm -hmm. okay yeah because you have what two to three albums already out yeah is that correct uh so i started a, a group when i was younger so i think i have like six albums out actually. i guess i don't know him yeah. that well it's yeah. i guess it's six i was three short <laughs> yeah, of yeah the no, albums. no well, i mean there, there's a few before that when I was younger, so if you don't count those, then oh no, we're gonna talk about those younger <laughs> days. Don't okay. you're, you're gonna bring that up? Trust yeah. me, your boy band days. Yeah, we will bring that up. In your first song, we will bring up. Yeah, and we're gonna play it. Yeah, I, this episode. So I to have, all the listeners you, out so. there, um, it's a rap. First of all, <laughs> that he wrote. Oh jeez, I can't wait because I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be fun for me to make fun of. Yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll talk about that. And um, so. Uh, in all seriousness, you know, we I wanted to talk to you about and let you share your experiences as far as we could start, I guess, from like middle school. Okay. 
um, and then your transition to high school. Um, you mentioned to me that you've gotten beat up a little bit yeah. back in the day, and you still get beat up by me, to be honest. <laughs> right. uh, so it still doesn't stop. Yeah, right. And so yeah, let, let you know. Can we? Can you talk about a little bit of that? And can yeah. you shed some light on what were those things? Yeah, you were experiencing growing up. Yeah. So um, actually, when I was born in Guam, I, I never faced um, racism um, or anything in that nature. Um, you know, you grew up with a bunch of like Guamanians, Chamorros, and so everybody's like very family. Oriented. I mean, you're from the Philippines, near the Philippines, so everybody, you know, when it's somebody's birthday, you go to the beach, and then everybody's welcoming you to, you know, join their their you know, birthdays. So I never experienced anything like that. But when I I remember moving to Seattle when I was about nine, um, and I was very dark skinned and um, it was weird because Seattle, like the thing to do is wear your chanclas, your sandals with socks. Yes, and I, I thought that was like weir really weird because in Guam you would never see people wearing socks and, and that. So they had a different type of clothing that they would wear. Um, I got picked on because I wasn't wearing a wife beater underneath because in Guam you would never wear a wife beater and then a shirt, but in Seattle I guess since it's colder you you know do that. So I was already getting picked up and picked on at an early age, um, but I think more so when I was in middle school I went to. Um, I grew up in an area where there's quite a few Koreans. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mukilteo is where I grew up, um, which is like 12 miles north of Seattle. Where is it? Mukilteo. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of near Linwood, um, but it's where a lot of the, there's like this stigma of Asians. Uh -huh. And if you went to Mukilteo or like Kamiak or Jackson High School, that's considered like the Korean, um, you know, high schools. And so, um, during the time when I was growing up, there were a lot of, I want to say, quote unquote, fobs that were, um, you know, in high school. So I was, I was in playing the cello and I was, you know, holding it as I was walking back home. And I was getting picked on by a lot of these Korean people of, you know, my own race, um, always telling me that I had to go bow, bow to them. And I was like, you know, it's not something that I'm used to because I've never had to bow to anybody unless it was like my parents or their or you your know, grandpa yeah, or the elders yeah, yeah or the elders and so i would always tell them you know i'm american i don't have to do that like we're not in korea so because of that i was getting beat up and picked on then i would go home and then what i feared for was when i entered high school mm -hmm. because these people were juniors and seniors and i was a freshman and so during that time, I got I got picked on a lot, um, got into a lot of fights um, growing up. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a big guy and I don't like to fight. Um, but there were a lot of times where, you know, I had to go and, and fight with my friends and, you know, um, and protect myself because of that. And um, during that time when I was growing up, I, you know, the boy band phase was was there. So I decided that I wanted to start writing music and um, talk about those things. That's kind of the reason why I got into it because I really didn't understand who to talk to. It's not like I could go to my parents and say, hey, I'm getting picked on because I'm Korean. Like they would never understand that because they grew up in Korea, nor do like, I just, I, I didn't have any mentorship as a kid growing up. And so the only thing that I could do was just write music. Mm -hmm. And so 
my mom would give me like three dollars just for lunch every single day and i saved up enough money to buy like a little keyboard and, and try to record music on my own and then i would hide the keyboard underneath uh, my parents never wanted me to do music at all um and so i just i wrote uh, a song with a friend of mine um in high school uh, he was a white guy and he was like the lead guy from like the choir and, and and musical and stuff like that and he was heavily into boy bands like backstreet boys and all that too so we just, who wasn't um yeah i see i was an NSYNC guy and then he was a backstreet boys i'm, I'm guy. a bsb guy um yeah so his, his name was josh he went by jt ironically even though he's a backstreet boys guy mm-hmm. um and so i remember telling him that i wanted to and he knew that i was getting picked on by a lot of people and i was getting picked on by by white people as well too so it wasn't just korean people that i was I was getting picked on but because i was asian i was also getting picked on by white people hold on so did you have any friends at all i mean i had my my friends of when i was growing up in middle school okay so they were the ones that like protected me a lot okay which was good but um and they had older older brothers and sisters so a lot of times too and then my sister had to come in a lot too because, oh really yeah if it wasn't for my sister i would have gotten into a lot more fights because a lot of um guys that were older you know liked her and so she would be like hey can you not like pick on my brother or can you can you go um tell like your friends not to not to like you know, get into fight with my brother and that kind of she had to do that for me a lot she still does that <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh yeah so it was, it was pretty crazy but i remember approaching josh and telling him hey i've got this song that i really want to write um and i wrote it and i produced it called united is one i was listening to a lot of lincoln park during that time so it wasn't um it's not a it's definitely a lincoln park inspired thing so i was rapping and i don't i don't rap i'm a horrible rapper but i wanted to introduce this part but i guess you uh you kind of blew it out you know for everyone so i'm a little shy to to show this because there's probably only like a hundred people that actually have the cd that were in my high school so wait people have the cd yeah so there's 15 tracks and we're called intrude um and you'll you'll know what our group name is because it's actually in the song all those hundred people is that a hundred you said yeah yeah Yeah, you you definitely intruded their lives that's (laughs) with that cd that's yeah that's definitely what you did hey we did i was yeah i was a shy kid back then too you know if you still are bro yeah yeah, i I definitely uh, i'm more of an introvert so definitely we uh we had like our own concert and stuff like that it was if you saw video footage of it back in the day when vhs i know one person that actually has so whoever has that vhs betamax um clip of genu rapping this song called united as one can you please submit it to us dm us on instagram and i would love to see that oh man it's horrible i literally was just standing there the entire time while josh was going out and doing his you know musical performance and it's pretty bad but you know over actually over 100 people went to the show which was kind of cool we were like printing out our own tickets and stuff and we we're just slinging cool. everything um but i'm gonna play you the song and i'm i'm like very nervous to play it for you but i feel like you're forcing it on me and the world <laughs> shut up <laughs> but, i'm excited for this okay so you ready no but yeah go ahead okay. i love it all right united is one by intrude
it's gonna be I-N-T-R-U-D-E You know how it's gonna be Just cause of all the rich tension I can't even imagine that mention Well life is just a worldly resignation Living a rough life, I can't think twice Worried if I gotta carry me a night When you saw me with my friend JT Took me aside and I asked to be free You beat me and I continue to bleed I realized that I can see You guys weren't the ones I needed Now I'm angry and I'm heated What you gonna do? Just cause we're different fool I need the right path because of what you put me through Yeah what you put us through United is why We're different in many ways United is why Living life in other ways United is why The sun shines brighter today United has why We're heading the right path today Every time I'm chilling with my homies Evidently they don't see what I see Saying I can't truly be with the colored boy in front of me they're just separating us apart Cause Gino and me been cool from the start We both know it's up and that's enough Cause we gotta be true to our hearts Put away your stare, shut down your plans Cause no one around here cares So what you gonna do just cause I'm different fool I need the right path cause of what you put me through Uh, cause of what you put us through Cause we are Done. That's a wrap. Oh, <laughs> that was uh, super embarrassing. That was uh, that's pretty crazy. Very first song I ever produced. Wow. Very first. Uh, and and the, the thing is, like back in the day, like it wasn't like today with like new equipment, you could line everything up. Yeah. But back in the day, it was me literally punching in like every single thing. It took a long time just to make a track, but yeah, it was pretty. Um, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> it's like I enjoyed do you, it. Do you want to scream? It, you're right. It it definitely reminded me of Lincoln Park vibes, yeah. which I love. Definitely got that old school. It's got that rock, hip hop, definitely Lincoln Park influence into it. You can imagine it's 20 years ago. Right. I mean, we, yeah. that's what we were listening to. Yeah. Nobody was doing music back in the day like that so man i mean independently yeah no that was 
I appreciate it. I, I, I mean, <laughs> just because you know me, I, I, I everybody's like, "What the heck is that?" I always, I always uh, bump your music. I, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, even in my car, it's weird. Like it'll go like, like when your song comes on, I was like, oh, "I'm just gonna leave it." Yeah. So, but what a surprise! It's called United as One. Yeah. Is it on iTunes, Spotify, any? No. 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 I think it should be. No. I don't think it's ever gonna come it's out. Get, it's got a powerful message. It, it, it does actually um very dark though so uh, yeah and uh, let me let me uh, elaborate on it being dark because it was a little dark yeah um i felt your screaming in my ear uh, that was actually jt oh that oh i felt jt screaming yeah um sounded like chester almost yeah i, I we I, I couldn't scream like that yeah oh no i yeah unless you were getting spanked <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I couldn't scream like that. He he had he could make like a raspy voice to make it, make it like that. No, it was good. I I I mean, I, again, I enjoyed it. I don't know why. Yeah, I just thought it was cool. <laughs> so, when before you made that song, and you made it during high school, correct? Yeah. Okay. So, and when you shared your when you shared us how you were getting beat up because you just wouldn't bow and you couldn't go to anybody. Um, sometimes Yuri had to protect you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Funny story. Yeah. Um, did you make the song because you were motivated or is be- or was it because you were angry? Yeah, I was definitely angry and confused. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I didn't know how to tell anybody. And I don't think like, because I grew up with, in like a pretty predominantly white area so is jt's white jt's white yeah and then um i think my high school only had like three three black people in there Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like we dealt with a lot of racism or anything like that um in that sense it's like the black and white thing it was with asian and white okay russian or something like that i I don't i don't remember but yeah i was just i was just fed up because it was like you know i was born you know like i said in guam where everybody was just naturally just liked each other and then to see hate like that and to be able to grow up like getting beat up because you just like people in general and just wanted to just interact with every single person you couldn't because of who you were that was super frustrating did you feel like you were the only one that was going through that as an asian american or did you see other asian kids kind of go through the same thing no it was i think it was definitely me just because i didn't want to bow i didn't want to bow or do any of that stuff whereas some of my friends ended up bowing to other people i mean ironically enough like you know i moved to la i moved back to la you know start performing again and and um i was on instagram i I got a dm from somebody and i have had no clue who it was if you look at their instagram they do um, pictures for la models Mm -hmm. and um he just messaged me. He's like, "Hey, can you meet me in K Town? Can you can you meet me at Donko, um, which is like a, a you know a drink spot or whatever?" And um, took me there a lot of times. Yeah, and, and I I didn't know who it was, so I was like, "Dude, that's creepy. I don't want to meet somebody." And he's like, "Hey, I I know you from, you know, Seattle, so I, I really would appreciate if you meet up with me." And so, you know, after him telling me a little bit about like high school experiences, I was I was kind of wondering who it was. So I ended up going there. And he pulls up, and right when I saw his face, I was like, "You know who it was." Yeah, he was one of the guys that that picked on me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he came up to me and he was like, hey, I just, I felt so bad for picking on you back in the day. And, you know, I, I've been seeing you like making music and doing your thing. And, you know, every time I looked at your pictures, um, I like liked it. I, I just never told you who I was. Um, but I just want to tell you that I'm extremely sorry for like everything that I did. And I, I, I've been holding this like guilt for picking on you, you know? Was that a validation? It, it, it wasn't a validation for me. I, I didn't really care because that part of my, my life with like that high school stuff, like, you know, I'm friends with all of them on Facebook now. As they get older, they have kids. Like, I mean, what are they going to tell their kids that they picked on somebody because someone didn't vow? Like, that would just be a disrespect to their kids. Like, if they want their kids to go through the same exact thing, I don't think that they'd want to. So I think they matured from that. But definitely when I was going through it, I was very frustrated. I didn't know how to handle it, you know? And that was like my first, you know, long sting of, of the reason why I left my first high school and then ended up um you know going to my second um, high school in Edmonds I had to ask a friend about um you know if I could use his address and and convince his family um I never told him the reason why and I was kind of embarrassed that I was getting picked on anyway and so um they were just confused and that's why I ended up uh, going to that high school instead Mm, okay and yeah so it seems like you went through a lot as far as not only just getting picked on but you shared us how you overcame it by being creative. You had an outlet for yeah. you for you to be able to deal with it. Um, maybe in a, on a on a small piece, it probably didn't change or it didn't fix the entire problem, but you had an outlet. Yeah. To to be able to at least go to the next day and and show face and keep moving forward. Yeah. Right. So that's that's amazing. Yeah. And. I know also right around the time of high school, you were going through some transition as far as your possible entertainment career. Yeah. I know I believe you were either going to get signed or about to be signed or signed with, I believe it was, um, I took notes here, SM Entertainment. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I think they scouted you, right? Yeah. So give a little bit of a background and the history on that. and. And again, what you went through and uh, the experiences with with, uh, with that particular aspect of your life. Yeah, so um, SM, which is still currently running today, it's uh, the top three Korean entertainment. Um, oh, they're still they're still on. Yeah, they have. I mean, if you're a K-pop fan, like, you know what SM Entertainment is. Um, so they were doing this audition. Uh, they went to like all 50 states, um, Europe and Asia, and then they would scout people and then they would bring them to Korea and then they do like... Um, a training program so it's a rigorous uh, training program where they teach you how to dance sing um, and rap so you have to be a triple threat in order for you to become um, a singer or, or, or k-pop star so um, you know the fact that it was such a big entertainment company my parents were against me doing music the fact that it was so big in Korea they knew who it was that's the only reason why they actually approved me going so I ended up going over there and you know i felt lost i mean i i didn't really know anything about korea um and as i'm going through their training program and everything like that i ended up long story short getting dropped and my grandma had taken me over there because my parents were still you know in seattle working and stuff and when they they told her that the reason why they are dropping me it's because i wasn't able to adjust to like korean culture and that i was too american and i was like kind of like cocky in that sense you know you know me like i'm just shy and introverted i just think to myself a lot and 
I, I, if I did disrespect anybody, it wasn't in natural intent. It was just because I, I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. You know, so long story short, I ended up, you know, coming back here, and you know, I still wrote music, still performed, and stuff like that. Um, and then eventually, I ended up getting um, scouted by an American label, um, and uh, I'm sure you know about that because I've told you before. But so I, I ended up going down to LA, you know, as a high school kid. Um, and ended up meeting an, an, a few A&R executives from the company. And they didn't know that I was Asian, actually. Because um, you don't look like one. Well, the, the album that came out, it was a cartoon. I, we never put our pictures on there. Oh, okay. And, you know, it was like during the time when like internet was kind of like AOL. Like was like coming yeah. out, MySpace and all that stuff too. So I never put a photo of me. They just... They just reached out and asked like if I can come down so like audition to be able to get into this thing because they were interested. Right when I walked in, they didn't know who I was. And so as I was like performing for them, I just remember the looks on their face. They're like, hey, you know, we want to be completely honest with you. Um, you're Asian and the industry isn't looking for people like you. Mm. Straight up. How old were you? I think I was like 16, 17. Okay, so you were a junior, yeah. senior, almost senior year yeah. of high school? Yeah, so a junior. And junior. so I was kind of like, I was baffled by that comment. And I was like, what do you mean? I said, you know, the industry is looking in the next 10, 15 years, we're going to look for Latino, Hispanic people. And then, you know, Asian people, we're going to look for them maybe in the next 15, 20 years after that. You know, so fast forward the clock, it, it actually did transition into that. Like 10 years into it, I started seeing like Pitbull, J-Lo. Reggaeton. You know, yeah, reggaeton was getting very big. Like it had that transition. And mm-hmm. then suddenly now you're starting to see a little bit of Asian representation. But there still isn't an actual figure yet that's like, you know, big. I think I think Jay-Z, only one that's really, he signed to Rock Nation. That was the only you know big well bts thing. i mean korea but korean that, that's pop is yeah. big K- that's k-pop though but then if you talk about like an um an asian person that is pursuing a career in the u.s I mean, there, you, there are people that have tried you've got rich brian yeah so, so you're starting to see a little bit of it 88 right? rising so even far east movement was far, with far with, east with um fly like a g6 but you you ask people oh great one to well, bring up wait but you ask them like hey um did you know that far east movement was asian a lot of people will tell you i didn't know that they were asian like they know the song they just don't know that that they're asian so a lot of the asian artists in america have really gotten lost um, with that and so if you want to pursue a music career the stigma was you either go to korea and then you become a K-pop star and sing in Korean, um, and then they configure like what you look like, what what they want from you. And there are certain things that you can and can't do. It's very strict. Mm-hmm. Or you try to make it in America, where Americans don't accept you as being an Asian artist. So, um, so you're saying it was very challenging to be. It's pretty much a loss, loss because you're a Korean American. You couldn't get accepted in your own country yeah in their own genre absolutely and then you moved to the states and you tried you got recruited by a major label still they were telling you yeah. that right now we're not looking for your genre 
your look. Yeah. We're not looking for that right now. Yeah. And as a 16, 17 year old to hear that, that's going to be very difficult to swallow. Yeah. Especially because I, in a sense, I wanted to prove my parents wrong that, you know, I could pursue a music career, something that I actually enjoyed doing um, instead of them wanting me to be like the typical Asian with becoming a doctor or, you know, a lawyer, a, a business owner, whatnot. But, you know, eventually I just kind of, chucked it up as a loss because back in the day like youtube and all these sources weren't around you mm -hmm. couldn't yeah. create your own opportunity as, as much and if the color of my skin was going to stop me from that and make it a lot more difficult i just didn't know what to do got and it so the labels were kind of the the way in because they were going to invest money into you and so i i gave up on music i was still writing music and, and doing that but I, at that point i was just doing it for myself and not just actually pursuing it and so you know i went to college and Perfect. So you went to college and then um, after college, you um, pretty much with the multi-level marketing thing. So what we're going to do right now, um, hold on to that thought. We're going to we're going to take a short break and we're going to talk more about that experience. Um, college, post-college, we're going to talk about that and the experiences that Gino had on that. So stay tuned, you guys. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. You are listening to KickSpot. You are listening to KickSpot. And we're back to the KickSpot. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are back. Episode 5, talking about JP, a.k.a. Gino Park. And uh, before the break, we talked about Gino's experiences in middle school and in high school and his first taste of what it's like as an Asian American artist um, going through the transition phase to possibly getting signed in Korea, not panning out, and then going back to the States, not panning out because of him being Asian. Yeah. So now uh, we're going to go ahead and, and move forward on talking about after that, right around after college, when you were doing your multi-level marketing uh, gig with us, with me. <laughs> yeah, that's how I met you. When we were doing our door-to-door -door stuff. Yes, sir. Slanging paper. You, you, uh, telecom. I was telecom. I was slanging. Internet. Internet. <laughs> and TV. And TV. Yeah. I got <laughs> El papel y tintas. That's right. It's no, I was I was laying paper for a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. Sending those free cookies to my customers. The Mrs. Fields. Mrs. Dude, I would sometimes hey, those, take them. The, yeah, the customers give it to I me. Would, I would Man. go back. I was, did you guys get the cookies? Yeah. Uh, oh, you want some? You want, yes. Of course. Give me that tin. It'd be stupid <laughs> not to have some of those cookies. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about, again, the experience on that and... Because in that business that we grew up in, we were there. Well, I was I was doing it for about three and a half years. You were doing it for way longer than that. Yeah, total of seven. Total of seven. So you doubled my yeah. lifespan. And with that, it taught us a lot. It taught us leadership. It taught us recruiting. It taught us how to be self-sufficient as a business owner. It taught us a lot. Probably one of the best positions I've ever, I've ever done. The hardest position I've ever done, yeah. I will say physically mentally emotionally spiritually i think it just composed you know encompassed everything and it, it took a lot out of you to be able to just get through the next day right wouldn't you say yeah i would say that that the program was designed for it to be tough because yes. in, in the real life experience when you do end up running a type of business that it's not going to be easy 
I mean, there's pluses and minuses about multi-level marketing um, and there's probably different emotions. So um, yeah, I mean, they cheat true is something that's very, very systematic so that it's, it makes it quote unquote easier for the, your business. And you know, I, I could talk, you know, positive things about that is what I liked about multi-level marketing, but I could also talk about a lot of negatives in, in that sense as well too. But what it taught me, um, were a lot of those things right and i'm glad you mentioned that so can you share a little bit more about because you actually went from being an account executive where we're just slanging things in the field mm-hmm. to becoming a, an am which is an assistant manager mm-hmm. to that particular office where you've grown a particular set of of teams yeah and you've groomed them to be in a position where they were self-sufficient and they were self, you know, going out there and, and doing their own thing. Yeah. And then once you've accumulated enough of those people, then you get an opportunity to run your own business and open up your own office, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in the multi-level marketing nature, we have to understand that they, they groom you to becoming an entrepreneur from day one. Mm-hmm. So really you're going on a hundred percent commissions and I think people get uh, really, really afraid of that, but there's a lot of emotions involved in going on a hundred percent commissions. Am I going to be able to eat today or am I not? But as a true entrepreneur, that's also what you're going to deal with. Um, I mean, if you're a full-time artist as well too, that's also the same type of emotion. So to me, the sales part of it and the emotions around that wasn't very difficult. Right. I was already slanging CDs, you know, at, at the local mall and, you know, I was performing, getting, uh, ridiculed for a lot of my songs that I was making right and you know with the with the internet you know everybody shames you for for all I mean just the stuff that you do in nature I remember doing a show in Dallas and you know I had to go to another show out in San Francisco and I remember someone like commented on something it was like man that guy was really really rude I, I, and I don't recall I just knew that I had a two-hour span of after the show that I had to go to another show really really quick in San Francisco and so I'm rushing over to the airport and I remember reaching out to that person. I apologize. And I was like, I don't know what I did. I said, well, you know, I waited in line for you for like four hours to watch you. And, you know, you didn't even say hi. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, next time I'm down in Dallas, um, you know, make sure to say hi. And just, and I explained my situation. She didn't, she didn't know anything really. But, you know, a lot of those emotions were like people just can, kind of ridicule with that. So emotionally going door to door wasn't hard for me. Um, I was, I was definitely, I would say I was probably one of the best, um, in history in, within the business, I would say. And you can probably, you can ask whoever you'd like to within their business. And they'll tell you that, um, as far as for the nature of me being charismatic and performance and, and going in there and talking to people in general, um, it was a lot easier for me. I didn't find it very difficult. I can vouch for that. And um, the the hard part was convincing other people. Mm. In, in order for you to become successful in multi-level marketing, no matter what kind it is, it's to be able to learn a valuable skill set on how to um, convince someone or, or show them the vision and the quote-unquote opportunity that, that this particular um, business multi-level marketing firm had was we would give you the keys to your own business. Oh, but you can't go on a com- you can't go on 100% commission. Oh, well then you shouldn't be a business owner. Oh, you don't know how to recruit people. Oh, you definitely shouldn't go. You know, become a business owner. So it weeds out the weak. It, it, it's it's what they're they're trying to teach you, right? And and I understood that concept because statistically during that time it was 
uh, 93% of people are always going to work for other people. Two to 7% of people are going to run their own business. So yes. I understood that law of averages kicked in not only in sales, but it also worked as well as, you know, finding that the two to 7%, but just imagine all the turnover um, that yeah. happens during that time. But that was the whole, whole program was graduate from that program, recruit a bunch of people that believe in the same mission and then be able to have the keys to your own office. Right. And with, you know, with that, you were probably one of the best recruiters that I saw when we were, you and I were both going through that because you saw my struggle in recruiting. I would go to you every time to see what tactics you had, what conversations you would have with your team. Yeah. And people didn't know that we were actually roommates. Right. Um, yeah. And so like how we met was through really through basketball mm -hmm. um and they had this you know top leader challenge and we went to big it was big bear right big bear big bear and they did like these like challenges and they were like you know there's this guy migs he plays basketball and you know talked him up or whatever and i was like man this fool ain't going to shoot with me you know so we played against each other mm -hmm. and it was a it was a hard fought battle it was, it was really fun um, I would say that we wanted to beat each other up towards won. the end of it. Um, I think we won. Oh, we did win. All right. Yeah. You won? Yeah, we did, right? Yeah, the first one we won. Y you didn't win. We ended up winning. The, s the second year, we were on the same team. Yeah, the second year we were on yeah, the same team. The second year we were on yeah. the same team. So it was that one was like... That one we was won that. Great, that we was a great experience. But the first one, yeah, we ended up getting, because uh, that was my first one. Yeah, I that was my so, first one too. So we ended up winning the entire thing. I remember that. The second one we won. Second up, one we, we won. Win we won together. It together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just crazy because towards the end of it, it was like, oh, I have respect for this guy. Um, I don't know him yet personally, but I have respect for you know his ambition and all that stuff too. And then you know, fast forward, you know, we were playing a few basketball games here and there. Uh, throughout the year and then we had to go again and then we ended up on the same team and mm -hmm. then we ended up winning and we got to drink the champagne out of the trophy glass and we we're just partying it up and you know eventually we ended up becoming roommates as well and and we would bounce you know ideas off of each other and and all that it was it was just definitely a struggle going through the program um the, the, the biggest struggle i think you and i have ever had professionally economically in our pockets yeah. We were eating kimchi yeah. and rice yeah. for weeks on end. So I mean, spam. I, I've always been, I've always been frugal. Banana and, so, and rice for me. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're in those situations, you force yourself to learn how to cook. Uh, shoot, so I, I just, I just ate what you cooked. Yeah, so that's why I always ended up cooking, and you know, I, I still cook now, and and I actually enjoy and cooking. And I steal your pomade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'd steal my pomade in my bathroom. And I'm like, dude, this is not how I configure oh, my, my pomade. I'd have a certain technique on how I would get my pomade. And then there would be a big dip. Oh, man. And then eventually I'm like, I haven't used my pomade in a while, but the, the creases look nice. So you mastered how I creased the I, pomade. I did. I did. But, but let's, let's, let's fast forward on the recruiting portion of it. Yeah. Because I wanted to, to bring to light what you brought to the table in that. And... I wanted to bring more to light what your struggles were because you were a in a position of leadership that was Asian because you were taking so the way it works for all the listeners is in order for us to grow our teams we would need to take out interviewers that are looking to be in our roles so we would take them in the field it's an eight-hour day 
Okay, and we would be in areas, sometimes unsafe areas in Los Angeles that are not Beverly Hills or Culver City. Yeah. Or Studio City. Yeah. A little bit more sketchier areas. And we would have two to three people that are looking for a job. And we're trying to make the door-to-door look sexy. Yeah, I, m- I remember going into Watts. Going into, yeah. When I was Watt, in Compton, Linwood. With, with an interview. And then we, we we saw a dead body out on in front of the warehouse with flies all Crazy. over and, and then i remember the interview like what is going on right uh, but n- nonetheless when you graduate from the program the more studly thing is to be able to recruit people to go with you and i remember um but and, talk about the uh, talk about when you were going through the recruiting pool yeah and and you were trying to sell the vision of owning your own business mm-hmm. talk about the perspectives of one as an interviewer because you were also uh, and you were also in their position yeah so someone took you out so your first thoughts on the role and then as you became part of the program and you graduated and you started taking out and, and trying to sell the vision what did you learn and as far as you being an, an asian leader in that particular space yeah how how were you become successful but also what struggles did, did you have to go through in order to pick to, to finally get to the right team and, and actually grow because you were talking to me about I, I think the reason why I didn't hire that guy is just because I think he just didn't like me for just because for me but he was super sharp he liked it but I think it was it was me and you were you were saying something bigger than that so can you go ahead and elaborate on that I, I think like in the nature like I, I didn't start because of the person that took me out. I started because of the business owner. And he has this one meeting um, that he talks about. Um, and he talks about like future perspective. And he broke it down. And he broke it down to a science where just think about if you're working in corporate America with the average salary that you're going to make. And then how much money that's going to be by the time you hit social security and it came out to like 1.2 million dollars or something like that the average person right up to 60 67 65 67 right and then he started going down the line he's like 1.2 million dollars sounds like a lot but you know just let's just subtract um all the expenses that you're going to have so your biggest purchase that you're going to make a house and how much is that and then he subtracted and and eventually it ended up be- becoming negative it's like, so do I have to limit the amount of kids that I have? Do I have to limit the amount of things that I want to do as far as vacations and all that? And it gave me a different perspective. It, it was become your own boss because, you know, if you keep going up the corporate ladder, then, you know, this, this is how you're going to, you're not going to be able to do things, the things that you want to. And so it was really the, that meeting. I didn't know the nature of that, why we were going door to door. Nothing was really explained to me. I left during the middle of my interview and the guy, I went back to my hotel and the guy came to my hotel and then, you know, he knocked on my door and he was, he was tearing up. He's like, hey, you know what? It's a reflection on me if you don't come back to the office. And you know who the guy was. It's a reflection on me. And I was like, dude, I, I don't want to go door to door. Like you pushed that sale. And, you know, the person told me, told you straight up, like you, you've been here for like, 22 times in the same door and they told you never to come back and you still are very persistent with that and um you know i wasn't attracted to that but i out of respect to him because he did take me out and he was crying i i went back to the office and you know the owner of the business i i wanted to tell him 
um, that I didn't want to take the job interview, but he happened to not be there. No, no, he was there. He was there. I, I, I wanted to talk bad about the person that took me out, actually. Like, the character was, was really off. And I call people out, like, how it is. Um, and his sales tactic was very off. Uh -huh. Like, And then he just told me to send in, you know, think about it. And the only thing I was thinking about wasn't that initial day. It was a long-term perspective. And that's how I always think is what could my opportunity be like if I, if I did this, you know? Um, and so that's why I decided to start. But, you know, I, I, I remember when I was an assistant manager, one of the things that he told me, which I thought was kind of odd was, you know, Asian people that I promoted out have never made it, made it in my industry. And I still kind of like look at that really, really odd. And that still sticks with me. And I don't know if he remembers saying this to me, but that stuck out to me a lot. And lo and behold, there are a few people, you know, in Orange County that, that were owners and stuff like that. In San Jose, there are owners and they're not, they're no longer there, you know? And it, it, I don't, it has nothing to do with like the race thing or, or whatever it is. It's just a different, I just, just found it odd that he had said that, but nonetheless, um, when he told me, hey, it's about time uh, that, you know, you end up getting promoted. He said, you know, the client wants you to move to St. Louis and they're going to offer you some money to be able to go out there. And I'm like, why would you offer this money for me to go out there? Um, and, and to be honest, I didn't know where St. Louis was. I thought it was in the south. I thought it was Louisiana for the longest time. That's where Nelly was from. And that's the only thing that I know of St. Louis, St. Lunatics. That's the only thing that I knew. But I was like, oh, I guess I'm moving to the Chang. south. And um, when I looked at the map, it was actually dead center in the Midwest. And I was like, what is over there? And I, the arc? I, I didn't even the arch. I didn't even know the arch, ar arch was Sorry. there. Um, and so when I, the difficult part is when you tell a group of people that are on your team, hey guys, we have an opportunity to move to Podunk, St. Louis. And I just remember the look on their faces like, yeah, I don't want to go there. And so I think during that time I had about like 18 people and I think only five ended up following. And so it was a, it was all Asian except for one mm -hmm. and, um, one white guy. And, um, so we go out there and it was just a different experience. When I say that multi-level marketing trains you to become tougher, I was not prepared for the Midwest. Uh, I wasn't prepared because, um, you know, you, you go door to door here, it's sunny all the time. Um, and out there, it's like negative 12 wind chills. I remember those days. Um, I had to buy shoes. Actually, I bought shoes a lot because of the salt on the on the ground and turned my, my black shoes white. But I got so fed up with it. A bunch of us in the office bought Sharpies. I remember because we were so broke. We're literally coloring our our shoes to make it look black because a new interview comes in. We don't we didn't want that to look really really bad. It's pretty yeah. bad. And then in the in the summertime, it was uh, over 100 degrees. You know, humidity at the highest, and we we're, it's mandatory for us to wear suits to represent our client. So I'm like sweating going in. I just remember the looks on everybody's faces. Like, man, I'll just buy something from you because I feel sorry for you. So it was not us learning a sales tactic. It was like just please buy from me. You know. Um, and then in the West Coast, the, the beauty is that you have a lot of hustlers here in, in LA. And so when someone walks into your business, business owners are typically used to that. In the Midwest, it's not it's not normal. People just know soliciting, like they, they want to like 
take you and then take you out. But um, I remember the biggest struggle that I had, um, which I couldn't deal with, I never dealt with, with in LA was when I would hire somebody black. And I remember, and I don't know the area in St. Louis. So I remember that person coming up to me and I'm talking about mindset and all that. I never really related to that as much. And I remember one person talking to me quietly and say, hey, you know, I agree with the mindset and all that. Um, I just I just can't go in this area. And we're programmed. It doesn't matter what territory it is, right? That That's what multi-level marketing in that. that you can make that it place, happen anywhere. Yeah, if you can kill it in that area, you then kill it you can kill it anywhere. Like if the more tougher it is, you're working on a skill set. But the color of your skin isn't something that you could work on. And so I remember like that was happening. The more black people that I was hiring, it was like, I can't go into this white area. I was like, what are you talking about? And then so there were certain times where I remember the, the whole purpose is like, show them up and then show them how it's done. And so I'm like, you can't go in here, I'll go in there. So I remember going on a business trip, uh, St. Genevieve, St. Genevieve, uh, Missouri. I remember going over there and I'm I'm with, you know, one of my, uh, the, the same guy as we're going door to door i remember an auto auto repair place and we can't sell to existing customers but my tactic was build a relationship with somebody there use them as a resource to be able to go to the next business and say hey this business owner uses us let's go in there so i was going in there with free promotions and you know coupons and stuff for the business owner and as soon as i walked in i get a racial slur what it what what was that slur it was you know for chinese people okay so um so he was just like get out of here you Ooh. you know and i was like what is that i never experienced that like that harsh as we're going door to door it's lunchtime we're tired we want we're thirsty we go into a grocery store i get another racial slur, and i'm baffled mm-hmm I have no clue. Because in LA, you're like, yeah. that, that'll never happen. Never happened. And so that was kind of just, just an interesting experience. And when you talk about the whole purpose is for me as a business owner to find people uh -huh. to be able to bring in so that people can graduate from the program because then I'll, I'll be able to give them the keys to their own business and their opportunity. It was very difficult because during that time, I was also getting emails from people saying that they would never work for me because I was Asian. Mm -hmm. And I've never experienced that. Like that wasn't even like a question, right? Like no. your race was not even in question at all. No. And it, it did like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a mentally strong person, but when it comes to other people, I, I genuinely cared about the people that were there. Right. I, I just I just talked to, you know, Danny just yesterday. Danny Bilovitz? Spink. Danny Spink, one of my, oh. my top leaders. Um, oh. And, you know, like I talked to him yesterday and he's got a family and everything like that. And, you know, I'll, I'll always have love for the guy. He stick with me to the very end. And, you know, just, and he had my back. He understood the reason why I wanted to leave um, because he got to see it from me. You wanted it, to leave St. Louis? St. Louis because uh -huh. of a lot of that. And he, he even told me, he's like, dude, uh, I, I don't want to tell you this, but you know, St. Louis is the last, uh, Missouri was the last state to get rid of slavery. And so that's why you see a lot of segregation. And I remember there was a, a leader in my business that told me straight up, I didn't want to tell you this, but 
I told my parents that you were Asian. They told me that I shouldn't work for you. Mm. And when and that's how I grew up. And I remember staying in the lobby, and I wanted to just prepare myself for the interview. I went on the website, and I found out that you were you were Asian, and I was about to walk out. But you had come out, and then you had took me in to interview. And so I, um, yeah, I was baffled that that you know she had told me that, but she told me that she's very glad that she had started, and she has a different perspective of Asian people because of the experience. But that's just how she was programmed as she was of growing、course. up.、Um, And I think it, it's tough because you came into St. Louis when there was a huge incident that happened,、yeah. and it was the Michael Brown incident. Yeah, that's when I believe you just recently moved there, and that whole incident just sparked an entire. Yeah, commotion. Yeah, so there was already、uh, racism over there, but it just it just enlightened even more. I mean,、right. a, a white officer killed another black man,、um, and、um, there was it was Ferguson.、Um, I mean, that city. I, I love the Ferguson Brewery out there, and that. But going into that area and talking to business owners out there, it just. It ruined their economy over there, and I remember when it was all over the news, and I would hear shooting like outside my house, and I remember my mom calling me, and she was like, "Hey, this is all over the news. What's going on?" And、um, she's hearing all these gunshots in the background, and she's like, "Get on the floor!" And I'm like, "Dude, mom, I'm on the third floor. Like, if they're gonna shoot up, they're gonna shoot up, you know."、Um, and so, even with that happening, and then. Donald Trump was running for president, and some some of the things that he was saying during that time was very racial. So he goes out there and says all these things. It caused my business to have a lot less people come into the door, and I couldn't figure out the reason why for the longest time. And I, you know, I can't say that it's because I'm Asian or not, but after those incidents, definitely it just it ruined my business a lot. I wasn't making any money. I was losing a lot of money. It was it was pretty pretty harsh.、Um, yeah, and I know there was also an incident that happened there where you had、uh, run in with some police officers. Yeah. From what I recall, the story goes: you guys decided to go out for team night, or was it just a regular Friday Saturday night? Yeah. It was one of those, and you wanted to check out a country bar because you've never been to one. Yeah. So I. I、um You know, these guys asked me if I want to go to a country bar, and I'm like, dude, I'm I'm down for a new experience. I've I've always embraced like other people, and I just find people interesting. Like their perspective very interesting, whether or not it's positive or negative. I just want to know the reasons why. Right. And so I go out to this area, and I'm just like, you know, LA. LA style. Like I definitely don't fit in in that area, but I just remember walking. Got the long tee. I was wearing the long tee. And just just walking, you know. So we're, I mean, I parked the car. We're walking over, and I remember two cop cars driving by. Pause. How long ago? What, what year was this? Ah、uh, man, ah、uh, five years ago, six years, six years ago. So about 2014. That sounds about right. Yeah. So I um, so as I'm walking, um, two cop cars make a U-turn. They make a U-turn, and then they look at me, and they say. Hey, can I check your ID? And I'm kind of shaking my head, like, why do you want to check my ID? What What does that have to do with anything? And、uh, he says, "You're under investigation." It's like, for what? 
and he, they never answered the question. They kept asking me, "Can you show me your ID?" And you know, to be quite honest, with the whole whole Michael Brown situation and actually experiencing everything there, I was I was actually very very scared. Like I I've never been in a scary moment. Like in high school, I actually have had guns pulled on my head, but this experience was way scarier mm -hmm. uh, because for for police, they're supposed to protect you, and yet they're badgering me about wanting to know who I am without explaining why they need my ID. And I never said I wasn't gonna give them my ID. I just wanted a valid reason. I kept saying, hey, give me a valid reason on why you need my ID. And they kept saying, are you not gonna show me your ID? About like the fourth or fifth time that they had asked that, and I said, I would gladly show you my ID, but the person, the cop behind me kicked my knee from the back. I fell on my knee the front cop in front grabbed my head and slammed it on the ground. Mm. And so, and I, and you know, I tried to ask the people that were with me um, if they could find the video footage because there was video footage of it and they were recording it. And even they were like, you know, why aren't you asking for our ID? Why are you asking for for his ID? And then they were they're swearing at the guys and said, if you guys want to get arrested as well too, then we'll take you in. So I was like, guys, just don't say anything. So I end up going to jail that night uh eight hours later i was supposed to get released and then the cop opens a thing and then the first thing that comes out of my mouth i'm not even sure why i'm here can you explain to me why i'm here he slams the door and he goes you're gonna be in here for another eight hours because you spoke and i was like what are you talking about so the second time 60 so 16 hours later they open it back up then they they tell me so do you want to speak up i didn't see anything and he, get, and he says, good, if you had spoke, I would have slammed it on your face again. So I go out there and they give me this document and the document, I'm reading it and they're like, you just need to sign here. And I'm like, what does this mean? It says, hey, it, it says that I'm admitting that I was guilty and that I'm gonna be charged with a misdemeanor. Why are you doing this? I don't even know why I'm here. And they're like, are you not gonna sign it? Cause we're gonna put you back in jail. So when I had went, it was a Saturday night, mm -hmm. you know, in multi-level marketing, I'm the business owner. I have to make sure that people come into the office. So I'm like, okay, so I've already been here for 16 hours. The very next day I have to open up the business. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I told them, you know, this is messed up that you guys are doing. I always trusted cops before, but I don't trust cops anymore after this incident. And so I signed it. And the very next day I showed up to the office, everybody in the office knows what's happening because I went with, you know, a few of the coworkers there. And then eventually they were like, hey, we're gonna take care of your office. You need to go talk to a lawyer. What they did to you was messed up. I go to a lawyer and the first thing that the lawyer says is, why were you even there? You're an Asian man. Mm. And I was like, what do you, and this is coming from a, a I, I specifically went to a, a black lawyer and said, Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. I have a misdemeanor now on my record. It's going to look bad on, on the, the fortune 500 clients that I represent. Mm -hmm. Can you fight this for me? And then she says, yeah, I'll fight it for you. It's just going to be reduced down to probably obstruction of an officer, which means that I didn't comply with an officer. So it's still on my record. It's not considered a misdemeanor. It just means I didn't comply with an officer. Yeah. And then I said, well, I don't care about that. Mainly I want to do a civil case against, uh, against them. And the first thing that comes out of her mouth is she says, you know, I would love to take your money, but you're going to lose the case. 
the the officer that shot Michael Brown got away. Nothing happened to him. And that was nationwide. What makes you think that your case is going to get any coverage and that you're going to be able to win a civil case? They're all white over there. They're just going to go against you. Well, we just also found out that one of the police officers that were involved in George Floyd's death. $750,000 bail and then he, yeah. They uh, were able to raise the, the, the money and I think his pension uh, worth a million dollars will be granted to him. I, I didn't read too much on that. I mean, it, it's happened too often and and the fact that I couldn't fight it, right? that, that bugged me a lot. And coming from uh, a lawyer telling me the same exact thing, I was frustrated. So I walk away that it's like an uncontrollable I lost and I hate losing something where it has to do with character and um, so I walked away from it and I remember that night I cried so much and I, I remember it and I, I remember texting my my mentor and telling him dude like I'm done like I can't be here like I am I, what, what do you want me to do you, you're saying that you trained me to, to train other people to be mentally strong. But at the same time, this doesn't have to do with that. It has to do with the color of my skin and people, in order for people to have an opportunity that, that I would have to recruit people and because people don't want to come into my business because I'm Asian, I'm just ruining their opportunity in their future and I'm not going to do that to them anymore. Mm. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I walked away from there. Mm -hmm. And you know, I wanted to move back to the West Coast there are some like great people that I've met out there, but uh, you know, it's a place that I, I would visit for vacation, but I would never live there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just hearing those things and having such a huge parallel with everything that's going on lately in, in our nation, it seems way too familiar. It seems like, again, and we had an episode about it, a three-part episode regarding racism and the systemic race you know racism that is going on in our nation yeah. it's almost like i'm not surprised i'm where you and i are both more educated now than ever before on the history of those items yeah. but for you to physically experience it i mean there, there's a certain level of education that not only you get from that there's a also a certain level of emotions anger fear that you have to deal with and that you may have to deal with for a long time. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I had frustrations during the Michael Brown incident. And um, I know uh, time I was like, we're going to go on a break. But when we come back, I, I do want to play you a song um, called Red. It, it's already released. And, you know, just like when I was a kid, you know, fast forward, nothing really changed. Right. And I wanted to talk about it within the music. Yeah, good stuff. So yeah, so when we come back, we'll play Genu Parks, one of his new songs called Red. Uh, was it inspired and made when you were in St. Louis? Yeah, it was, it was when I was in St. Louis. Um, I flew back to LA, recorded with um, Smash and um, nice. Bright, Bright and I, a friend of mine, we, we wrote the song together. I told him, you know, I, I've gone through this experience. I really want to talk about it. Awesome. So yeah, we'll talk about that when we get back. Thank you guys. You are listening to Kickspot. You are listening to Kickspot. And we're back. Yes, sir. So before the break, we were talking about G News song that he's about to play for us called Red. And it was from, I believe he's, his experience from the time he was living in St. Louis, Missouri. 
and all the things that happened to him over there. So without further ado, is, it, is this not a world premiere? No, no, no. So I, I released a song, um, you know, maybe a year ago, uh, and it's called Red. I worked with um, producer Smash, Smash Hitta, and then, you know, um, a friend that I also write with, um, Bright. And, um, you know, this is really during that time when I was just writing in my journal that I had about Michael Brown's situation. But not only that, like I had international people really in, within the business. And, um, you know, they talked about someone being like Muslim. It talks mm -hmm. about LGBTQT. Um, it just, it, it's just a whole nature of everything. Like if you listen to the lyrics really, really well, like it's just everybody bleeds red. And that's really the concept of right. the song. So, and um, the only reason why I was asking if it was world premiere because I wanted to do the world premiere, <laughs> premiere, premiere. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that haven't really listened to it. Then, it's not not necessarily like a a popular song talking about these things. A lot of times, these songs don't really become popular. So. I feel you. Yeah. Well, here we go. Without further ado, world premiere, premiere, premiere. to his soul exposed because his mind was always closed with his happiness it stone mirror never showed his own when you think about your life and you know what's deep inside see and view things open wide stop asking yourself why why is he dressed like this why is she doing that why do they raise a fist if they don't the ask, they know that freedom means it's free to anything they can. Would you decide? Seek first to understand 
Is a uh, that's a pretty powerful song, JP. Yeah, that's um, yeah. I mean, if you really look for them for the most simplistic way to put it, we all bleed red. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, we all have the same blood, it's the yeah. same color. Yeah. So, that's pretty powerful, man. And I know that was inspired by some incidents. Back in your St. Louis days, yeah. And do you feel like that song still has some sort of, I would say, connection till today? As in a positive way, or do I still think that people don't aren't aren't, aren't equal? Like, do you think they, if they do you think if they listen to that song? What impact do you want people to have when they listen to that song? You know, I, I want people to like the, like in the in the bridge seek first to understand then to assume. I I think that with my experience, when one of the leaders came up to me and said that she was glad that she ended up meeting me and working with me because what she grew up with was people telling her that you know negative things about Asians. And so I just want people to just understand people in general, uh, that everybody does bleed red. Everybody is just normal and they are the way that they are. And you just appreciate you know, who they are as a human being mm-hmm. instead of just your judgmental thoughts of what you think someone is going to be. You know? Yeah. And speaking of being judgmental because of the way they look or the color of their skin, this year has been really tough. 2020, I think, has been the toughest year for a lot of us and most yeah. of us, probably for everyone. And yeah, one of the things for us Asian Americans that we dealt with earlier this year before the George Floyd incident was COVID-19 and how that negatively impacted people's perception and views about Asians because we were dubbed as the people, quote unquote, that brought that virus into the United States. Yeah. And yes, from research and from facts that the virus did come from Wuhan, which is in China. Well, no, there, there's some stories saying that it could be linked up here as well. Too. Sure. So sure. I, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but I think the president did a good job by calling it a Chinese virus. It definitely did not help the cause of how people viewed us. Yeah. But I wanted to mention that because you were talking about the beating that you took back in St. Louis and with COVID-19 being the quote-unquote Chinese virus, it sparked a nation to 
pick on and I would say brutally beat up certain race yeah. because they thought that they were the ones that brought that virus in here. That that particular person that was walking in the street was yeah. the reason why there's COVID in a state. Yeah. Yeah. You, even when, when you think about it, like leading up to COVID for many years, I mean, we played two songs, one when I was in high school and then, you know, fast forward a couple years ago, to me, with Asian racism, nothing's really changed. I think people have always had a judgment on Asian people. But now that the president has been very vocal and there's a lot of social media outlets, like you get to really see somebody's true colors by the things that they do or, or things that they say. So now it's enlightened a lot more. It's enhanced a lot more, right? Asian people have never really gotten a break in a lot of things. And I don't want to take that. I, I want to be able to educate people that, that they should put people like Asian people in entertainment. It's always been so frustrating for me to see. But where the typical, you know, doctors, I mean, even in entertainment, we're portrayed as that. You know, we're not portrayed as the the, the, hero, the lead role. The lead role, it's right? Like, or or that or the um, you know Ken Jeongs of the world's like, you know, they view him. You're just as that funny a Asian funny guy, funny Asian dude. Yeah, Joe Koi. Yeah, and Joe Koi, like you know, I, I love all those you know actors, comedians, but. That's the way that they venture in into the media, and it and it sucks. So because because even if you think like they statistically said that Asian men weren't the most attractive people out of every other race as well too. So really, there's a lot of things that people look down upon when it comes to being Asian, and I've already dealt with that growing up. Right, right. And and it's even more COVID hits, and now that's more um, than Asian hornet. Like that just came out of nowhere, and people were talking about it like. Asian people have not taken a break. You know, they were the foundation of building this country. They, there's a lot of Chinese immigrants that moved here to build a railroad and people don't really appreciate that either. That history has been lost for such a long time. Right. And, it, and it's super frustrating to to deal with that. And yeah, like like I'm saying, like recent, hit, like recent events just make it even worse. Yeah, and, and I think I want to bring up again the purpose of why we're talking about this is just to just shed some light and shed some perspective we're not saying that we're better or we're underappreciated or anything like that we're not saying that at all what we're saying is we as asians we also have our struggles just yeah. like how our african-american brothers have had their struggles as well yeah i mean like for me i want to belong i want to be identified as something right and and throughout this entire time, if, you're, if you've been listening to from the beginning, my frustration is that when I go to Asia, I'm, I'm an American. People view me as an American, regardless. When I live here, people view me as Asian. I'm a hybrid of both. And that's what's the most frustrating thing is that even when stuff like this happens, people don't understand that I'm just like you. You know what I mean? Like th th that's a hard part. And I think that identity has been created now there's a big asian american community that is starting to shine a light um uh, there's people that say that they don't identify with any of the other you know we're not 100 percent asian we're not 100 percent uh, american we're just a hybrid and that's just like how america was built everybody came from a different country right. and eventually learned how to adapt here and they call themselves like the 
the white Americans were European and they learned to say that they are American now. And so we want to be able to say that we're here and, you know, we're not any better, but we're just, we just want to get along with everybody as well too. Just don't just treat us like equals. Don't treat us like we're something else. Yeah. And it's crazy because I don't know if you've seen the latest 30 for 30 mm -hmm. for ESPN. It was about Bruce Lee. Oh, oh, that's why everybody was posting Bruce Lee yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good one. Uh. Not as good as the last dance, but I think it's better than the ones <laughs> from Lance Armstrong. But well, maybe because I can relate. So Bruce Lee didn't know this, but he was trying to be, he, he was promoting the Asian culture to be a lead role. And just like your struggle, it's funny when you were talking about it earlier, because I saw the similarities. Mm. He wasn't being accepted in the United States. So you know what he does? He goes to Hong Kong. Yeah. Goes to Hong Kong. And just like what you did, you you pretty much paved your own way. Yeah. So he paved his own way because no one took him seriously in the States to be a lead role. Yeah. So he created two blockbuster movies in Hong Kong that panned out that got him more roles in the states but even the roles he was still being put in a box because he was asian yeah um they limited his his talking on some shows his script he didn't talk to he didn't talk as much based on the script that was for him so it's very interesting to watch how the amount of he should get more credit for yeah. really paving the way for us and i know he gets a lot of credit but as a as an asian pioneer to really have that passion to for the next generation to follow his suit it was just the, the correlation and the parallel that i saw from your story from that and you should watch it we can watch it i have it recorded well um, here's here's my here's my message like for anybody that's in the entertainment industry and this is just coming from me not not coming from migs but mark my words like if you do not incorporate asian americans or just asian people in general in media in entertainment you know as the stars of your roles eventually we're gonna explode just like everything that's happening right now with Black Lives Matter, like that exploded. And they're creating their own opportunities. Young people doing the things that they believe, protesting for what they believe in. And Asian Americans are gonna be in that same boat where they're gonna get frustrated. They're gonna create their own opportunity. And eventually you should have joined them instead of not. You know, you could, if you're thinking about making a lot of money, trust me, I'm telling you this right now, you will make a lot of money knowing that the Asian American race is the fastest growing race in America. So just keep that in mind, right? I, I've just been so fed up with all the experiences that I've had and people just giving me the runaround because I'm Asian and not accepting it. But, you know, we're here and we're going to take over. So just, just join us. Mm-hmm take a back seat oh wow yeah no and i'm i'm 100 with you and i think we have a lot of opportunity america itself has a lot of opportunity it's gonna take it's definitely gonna take a lot of us banding together to promote what we want to promote yeah to promote the 
kind of not only the culture that we have, but the value that we bring to the table. Yeah. There's a lot of value that we bring to the table. There's a lot of intelligence that we bring to the table. There's a lot of history that we bring to the table. Yeah. And I think we're primed to really traject in a very positive way. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I mean, this is one of those things you were talking about creating your own path, right? And we're, we're doing that right now. Yeah. Um, and we're building it organically. That's one of the coolest things about our yeah. generation is we can build something organically from nothing yeah. because we have more resources now because from the people that came before us. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and, and that's one of the, the, the greatest thing about this country that I think people have, a, have, have lost and people don't seem to appreciate is all the sacrifice and hard work that people have, have put in to get mm-hmm. certain people to where they are yeah it doesn't get appreciated that much it gets thrown under the rug and then people feel oppressed people start feeling that they don't matter that their voices aren't heard and you see things that recent events happen yeah and so yeah i mean that's where that's where my stand is but we are lucky we're very fortunate um i feel like we're at a place where not only for growth, but I think making a difference and and being in a position where we can inspire people yeah. to just move and feel and create. Yeah, like what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, on the side, I also like consulting businesses. It's always mm. been a passion of mine. I, I've always liked the coaching aspect of it, um, and so sometimes I reach out to certain businesses. Um, you know, uh, I get a lot of referral business and all that as well, too. Um, and so I recently posted something on Instagram uh, based off of an email that was sent to me, which shows like someone's true color, what they mean. And, and I wish that he had said it to my face, to be quite honest. Like, I just don't take stuff lightly anymore. And I'm not that, um, you know, passive introverted person that I was before. And I just don't take that kind of behavior from anybody. So I fight back now. So um, I want to play this for you. If you haven't uh, seen it on my Instagram, so we could kind of talk about this. Sure. As well too. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I just wanted to really just um, talk to you and I guess really get stuff off my mind, especially during Asian Heritage Month. Uh, I understand that with everything going on, like COVID and the new Hornet thing, um, that violence towards Asians have gone up. Um, I, I, what people don't know is that I used to run a business out in St. Louis, Missouri. And to be quite honest, it was probably one of the most segregated places that I've ever uh, lived in. And um, I was getting messages personally from people saying that they would never work for me um, and, or even death threats um, because I was Asian. And I'll give you an example of this now, right? So. Um, this email, you cohort with the evil state and you justify your pathetic existence with your soft little fingers. No, you do not exist for me. You are a piece of shit on your people and your pathetic parents are the same piece of shit deserve to squat in hell. You are what makes America bad regards Tom. And here's the kicker. Tom is actually a business owner here in Los Angeles and LA is the most diverse city in the entire world. Um, and I decided to go on his website and uh, he seems like he runs a pretty successful business, but uh, the crazy thing is he has a bunch of immigrants that actually work for him. 
uh, he has pictures with them. So really two things came to mind. One is that it doesn't matter where you live, racism exists everywhere. And the second thing that came to mind was uh, you just never know who is actually racist. He decided to hide behind closed doors and email me this. Um, and so you just never know who you're working for and what they actually represent. Um, on a side note, I am going to be starting a radio show with a close friend of mine, and we are calling it Kickspot. All right, I'm going to end it there. Um, so yeah, and when I said immigrants, I meant minorities or, or however people are going to take that. Um, but, but it is pretty sad. Like, um, we heard about the incident happening in Torrance. And the Karen of Torrance, the, the Karen of Torrance. But the thing is that, to be quite honest, I would rather have somebody brutally be honest with me up front than to work for somebody that thinks like that. I mean, if you're working hard within the company and you're thinking about how you want to support your family and then move up the company ladder, just imagine what they're actually thinking. And, and it ruins your opportunity because of that. So I would rather have that dialogue up front and, you know, just, just avoid it. And I feel bad for the people that are actually working there. Yeah. And again, those are two incidents, right? The lady in Torrance and then that email, it, it just seems like they were either never educated or I feel like they were almost just born ignorant. Yeah. And so it's, it's not only... I don't know even how to put it. I almost I feel bad for them just because they probably have some deeply rooted things that they have to overcome and then they're just lashing out by the way they they by the way that email lashed out on you. By the way, Karen from Torrance lashed out on that Filipino American girl that was just working out and the older Asian gentleman that just parked next to her. Yeah. I mean, all the things that she was saying was so ludicrous and out of this world and so racist, the way she was imitating an Asian person to mock him. Yeah. And for him, for her to go and say, nobody wants you here, go back to your country. Like, I've, I mean, I've heard those things myself. Yeah. Like those things have been said to me. Oh, absolutely. And it's one of those things where let's pray for those people. It's almost like I don't, I don't want to empathize because I don't want to spend my energy on people like that. It's not worth it to spend your energy on people like that because you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, what do you do? Do you just leave it alone? Are you fired up enough where you will say something and you'll try to quote unquote educate that person that their mindset needs to be shifted yeah you know those that's such a tough question right because um you know i i don't think that people that already have a preconceived notion that think like that are ever going to change um i brought up in our one of the other episodes um today in america and i talked about how the 150 million dollars isn't really going to do anything um because when you invested in schools and all that that's all great but actual experience is something that's always gonna get people to actually have a different perspective. And so here's my thing, okay? I would say the way to change behavior is to get all the Karens, right? Mm. Get all the Karens. Karen it up. And get the best 
plastic surgeons. Carrying it up. In Beverly Hills. Then, you talk about Dr. Dubro and Dr. Any, um, any one of them. From Botched. Man, those two are good. Okay, yeah. Any one of them. Then, you put a different color race on their face. Have them live it out for an entire year. See what they experience. Then switch it out to a different race. See what they experience. Eventually, they'll understand partly what that community is going through. That would be my suggestion. If that ever happens, I'll be very, very happy with all the Karens out there. But unfortunately, that'd be a good reality TV show. Actually. I think I think it would. I, th- I think that's a good pitch. Just if, go. If you if you are a producer out there, make this happen. Because I, I, there there are like case studies on it, but to live it out in the community and growing up like that, that would be ideal. Just go watch Botched on E. <laughs> great show, but um. No, great, JP, great topic. Obviously, thank you for sharing your experiences. I know it's not easy to do that. Yeah. It's not easy to relive those moments. Um, you know, th- this is actually one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to create this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something that I've been very, very silent about. And I've been holding it in and just releasing it with just music. And I think people don't really understand why I'm writing these things. And eventually because of everything that's happening currently and and how it's growing as far as for racism towards Asians, I'm somewhat glad. I'm somewhat glad because now people are starting to understand, oh, that's why he behaves the way that he does. And because sometimes when I've told people about what I was going through, they just didn't know how to react, Mm -hmm. you know? So now it's it's happening and I really just wanted to create the show just to kind of educate people on that and um, my perspective on it. So I'm very glad that people are actually going to you know, listen to, to that. Yeah. So, you know, for me, my last thing is, um, oh, we should make that like a la- like a last segment. So my last thing is, so Gina, what's your last thing? You know, like we should do that. Um, but I think it goes back to our Today in America episode. I just have two words, educate and empathize. Educate yourself. Continue to educate yourself. Try not to be as judgmental as possible. Just make sure, try to put yourself in their shoes or looking into their eyes. Have some empathy. And I feel, I think with those two, you'll be able to move forward a little bit, a little bit faster than what we, what we used to do before. So those are my last thing is uh, educate and empathize. What about you? What are are your last things, Gina Park? Uh, seek first to understand and to assume. I always say, good one. I, I always um, put this as my quote unquote New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it has not changed um, because growing up, I've always been judgmental. And I've, <laughs> I've uh, worked on that a lot as I got older and more mature um, and realized that everybody has their own story and everybody has their own perspective. And, and it would be hard for me to judge somebody and how they react to certain things without actually understanding them. So seek first to understand and to assume. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Great show. Um, we'll be, you know, we'll be back with some pretty dope episodes coming up next, but thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Kickspot. Again, our Instagram is at the underscore Kickspot. You could also follow us on YouTube. Please like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. Just right now you have to search listen to the kick spot all in one in order for you guys to see our videos we're also on spotify 
uh, you just search the Kickspot or Kickspot, and you should be able to see our nice little logo there. Shout out to Justin Carrillo, <laughs> and then um, also we are on the HD radio in Santa Ana, one hundred six point three. Is that correct? One hundred six point three HD two Santa HD two Anna. Santa Ana. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. We love y'all. Everybody love everybody, and we are outie. Thank you for listening to Kickspot.